We are finishing our series in Romans 14 next Sunday. Um, we have really tried to do this justice. Um, I want you as, as believers and followers of Jesus to have a, a grasp of this chapter and an understanding of this chapter. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach a little bit of a topical message on instructing us on how do we develop those personal beliefs and those personal convictions in our own lives based upon what we've learned in Romans 14. How do we differentiate in our own lives those things that are essential, those things that are important, those things that are non-essential, and then how do we take a truth in Scripture and then apply it to how we live our lives? That's next week. Um, and so be praying for that. I believe it's going to be very helpful. Today's uh, message is simply entitled, Can't We All Just Get Along, right? Can't we all just get along? What is that? What's that a reference? It's a 90s thing. If it's, that's, oh, why can't we be friends? That's true. We can do that. I mean, you know I'm always good for a song reference. Um, but why can't we all just get along? Man, that was, a, that was like a movie line. Or TV show line, I don't even know. I should have done my homework on that. But it's all, because it could be something really bad. If it is, it's all good. Um, I obviously didn't know. It was, hey, listen, I've all, to the pure, all things are pure. I didn't know. I'm fully convinced in my mind. What, what was it, Brian? Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. Why can't we? It was the Rodney King. That was like early 90s. So uh, I was like 10 years old. Um, why can't we all just get along? Romans 14 is where we'll be. In your Bible this morning, if you have a Bible, uh, open up to Romans 14. If you don't have a Bible, it's fine. Um, we will, when we get to our scripture this morning, we'll put it on the screen for you. You can look on the app, whatever you want to do. Last Sunday, we walked through the differences between the weaker brother and the stronger brother. And Paul made it very clear in this text and then others even in scripture that the weaker brother is the one who needs to put up more rules and regulations and restrictions in his personal life because he's not spiritually mature enough to enjoy the freedoms that other people can enjoy. The stronger brother, on the other hand, is able to live his life without as many of those guardrails and restrictions and walls because he has matured in his faith enough where he can handle those types of things. And he is more mature in Christ. And so that was a... a that was a shift for me. As I shared with you last Sunday, if you would have asked me 10 years ago who's the strongest Christian that you know, I would have began with the person that had up the most guardrails. And this person, if the line is over there, this person is way over here, not even getting close to the line, and they got all these guardrails up, uh, I would not have said that the stronger Christian is the one who actually can be over here closer to the line so that they can be a light in the darkness and they can be a friend of sinners and they can reach out to people. Uh, that was not in my mindset. This, this chapter and this philosophy uh, had not yet uh, become real to me. So that brings us to today, though. Today's focus is how to get along with either the weaker or the stronger. In this room, we have represented some folks who have who put more personal restrictions in their lives and in the lives of their family than others. We have people in this room whose standard of watching a movie 
is very open and nothing really phases them and they are convinced and they're fine. And we have others that are like, hey, listen, we have a rule in our, with our family, if it does this or it has this in it or it says this or whatever, we just completely turn it off and we never watch it. In this room, we have people that differ greatly on that. In this room, we have people that differ, and I'm thinking, especially like in parenting, we have people that differ with like, you know, what are we comfortable with as far as like musically? When we open up that door to, to music that's not Christian music, like what are we comfortable with? What am I comfortable with? And I'll be honest with you, I used to be way more comfortable until you have two girls, you know, they're in the car and they're like, man, are they paying attention to this? Um, <clears throat> at least we're not in like 90s R&B world anymore, so it's not that bad. But in this room, we have people that see those things differently. In this room, I would assume that in this room, we have some people that see even some of the doctrinal things differently. I would assume in this room that we have people on, on, on the pathway of spiritual giftings, which we've spoken about over the last year or so in our church. I would assume that we have people in this room that are on, on all different waves of that, on that path. I would assume that in this room we would have people that would lean more towards a Calvinistic viewpoint. We would have people that would lean more towards an Arminian uh, viewpoint. I stand as a, as a biblicist right in the middle. So anyway, but the fact is this. We all come together. We have different cultural experiences. We have different backgrounds. Some of you were raised in church. Your, your English is your second language because Christianese is your primary language. You speak in these and thous. You're incredible. Others are like, church, I didn't have church. Like, I don't know. Like, you talk about Sunday school songs. I don't know Sunday school songs. I didn't memorize John 3.16 as a kid. I didn't. Right? We all come from different backgrounds. And so the truth is that as the family of God and as as the as the, the church, we are supposed to be able to get along with the person and not, only, not just tolerate, not just tolerate, but like learn from, thrive with, celebrate with those that see things differently than us. And Paul deals with this in today's text. There are problems or potential problems on both sides of this. So I believe that we would do ourselves good this morning to heed the truths that we're going to bring out of this text. Romans chapter 14. Do you have it? Are you ready? As we've done every week, we're going to start in verse 1, but I'm going to move quickly away, okay? Verse 1, receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Man, I, I love that little phrase right there. For God has received him. Now we're going to skip down to verse 14. Skip down to verse 14. This is Paul speaking. Reading comprehension this, guys. Think about this as I say it. This is Paul speaking. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. 
this is mature Christianity here, folks. Just get ready. Yet if your brother is grieved, more mature Christianity, because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. This is a key verse. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Let us, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is neither good to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor to do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. Whatever is not from faith is sin. Wow. This is, a, this is a rich chapter. Heavenly Father, would you open this to us? Would you, Holy Spirit, would you illuminate this to us? Would you teach us? Would you guide us? We ask for your leading and your wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What, what a chapter. What a chapter. I don't know if you could feel it in there, but there was like, we could, we could call it like tension between like you are free and you live in your freedom. But you got other people that live around you. You need to, be, you need to consider that, right? You could feel that tension. We could either say it's tension from the Apostle Paul or maybe he was bipolar and we're not really sure. No. Because literally in one verse it says this and another verse it says that. We're going to make some sense of it today. You ready? We're going to dive in. My purpose today is for us to understand this chapter, but not just intellectually, but but on a practical live it out way. You ready? Number one, a warning for the strong. A warning for the strong. The third verse of this chapter uh, in Romans 14, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. A warning for the strong. That word despise, this is a warning, by the way, for the Christian who has fewer restrictions in their life. They live a little more in freedom. They may do some things that other people don't quite do or understand. This is for the quote-unquote strong Christian who lives in freedom. May I say as my testimony that I feel as if in my adult Christian life I have moved from the weaker brother to more of the stronger brother. And that's not by me, it's by God's grace working in my heart. There are things in my life that I will do or allow or places I will go or people I will be around or things I would, I would be a part of today that I would not be a part of 12 to 15 years ago. And it's not, anyway, I'm getting there. I just want to let you know, I'm on that journey, Okay. And it's okay, that word despise, it carries with it this meaning. 
to make of no, no account or contemptible. To make of no account, to disregard, to disrespect. It's the same word that was used in Luke 23 when Herod and his men came at Jesus before the, persecu- uh, the crucifixion. Are you ready? This is what he says. Then Herod with his men of war, speaking of Jesus, treated him with contempt and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. It could have easily been read Herod with his men of war despised and mocked him. For those today that are under the sound of my voice, whether in person or online, if you think of yourselves as the stronger Christian, the one who has the freedom in Christ that he gives, and you've, you've spiritually matured to that level, the one who maybe you've been able to remove some restrictions in your life, for you this morning, here is the danger. The stronger brother can begin to think of those who have more restrictions or more rules or more standards in their life in the same way that those who wanted to crucify Jesus thought of him and the the same word that was used for Herod and his men in their view of Jesus is the same word if if you're not careful freer Christian stronger Christian Christian with more with less restrictions more freedom you can look at other Christians that maybe have more restrictions and you can look at them and you can despise them If I may, my personal story is I come out of an environment that was very heavy with restrictions and very heavy with, with, with rules and very heavy with regulations and very heavy, very heavy with, with every little standard and every little uh, dot every I and, and cross every T. And if I'm not careful as I have experienced more freedom in Christ, I can look back at the people that still engage in that sort of Christianity and I can honestly begin to dislike them. I can begin to devalue them. I can begin to roll my eyes at the thought of the way they practice. I can begin to get bitter. I can begin to, I'm just being honest with you. It is a natural thing for those that have experienced the freedom that Christ can give to look at others who have up those restrictions and who have up those rules and we can basically devalue them, dismiss them, despise them. You got to think about it in the context of this chapter. The Gentiles who had fewer restrictions, they had been raised outside of the rules of Judaism. These Gentiles were looking at the Jews that were honoring the Sabbath and refusing to eat certain foods. And they were, the Gentile believers were actually beginning to dislike the Jewish believers. They were beginning to legitimately despise them. Here they come again. Hey, I want to say hello to you, but I'm not sure. Is it the Sabbath? Can I speak to you on the Sabbath? Hey, let's go grab lunch. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if we can grab lunch. You don't eat... I don't know what they have here. I haven't looked at the menu. I'm not sure if you can eat lunch with us. 
Oh, I'm not, I'm not, oh, hey, listen, come hang out. But hey, listen, if you believe that, I don't, we don't want to bring you bring your little doctrine, your pet doctrinal arguments over here with us. We don't want to hear about that. They began to despise. Maybe in today's culture, we would say something more like, I, I can't stand them. They get under my skin. Here's, here's one. They just haven't figured it out yet. They don't see it the way I see it. And may I say this to those of us in this room who may have come out of some of those environments, I pray to God that you have found your freedom in Christ, but I also pray in the same breath that you have also found a kindness and a graciousness and a love for the people who have not yet found their freedom. That you find a love and a genuine care and a respect for the weaker. Listen, there's nothing worse than a believer who's found their freedom despising those who have not. You know what it does? Well, we're going to get there, but I'm just going to say it. It makes you, the, 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 the freer one, the one who's supposed to be cool with everything, it actually makes you very like a judgmental Christian as well. And that judgment goes both ways. So number one, our warning to the strong. Do not despise. Watch your bitterness. Watch the way, if you have your freedom in Christ, watch the way that you look at other people who live a more restricted life. Check yourself. Take a step back. That was a warning from Paul. But secondly, this morning we have this. A warning for the weak. A warning for the weak. You see, this stronger Christian who has more freedom, they've been able to take down some of those barriers. Maybe they used to not go out with the, with the uh, friends after work uh, to the sports bar or whatever to watch the game. But as God has matured their faith, they now will do that. They'll now hang out with more people. They'll now be with more people around more scenarios. Maybe uh, some of the people that they used to not hang around, they now have gotten to the, the mature level in their faith. They can remove that restriction. They can hang out with more people like Jesus did, the sinners. Don't despise. A warning to the weak. The weaker, the, 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 those who have more restrictions in their life. Those who, we're not going to do this, and we're not going to go there, and we're not going to watch this, and we're not going to say that, and we're not going to consume this, and we're not, and we're not. And we have these walls up. And in fact, just in case this wall was not enough, we're going to put another wall right there that says we're not going to also do that because it could lead to that. Those people, and it's okay. Here's the warning to the weak. Same verse, verse 3. Let not him who does not eat the weak. Judge him who eats. This one seems a little bit easier to explain and understand, but I'm not sure that it is. The person this morning, if you're sitting here under the sound of my voice and, and, and you have some restrictions up in your life, and by the way, I'm not demeaning anybody by calling the weaker brother. I'm using the terminology the scripture uses. I'm not demeaning anyone. We need to be weaker in certain areas of our life at certain times and certain seasons. It's not a bad thing. 
If you find yourself in a part of your life right now that you need to put up some barriers, you need to put up some, some, some walls, you need to put up some, uh, some restrictions and rules in your life, and you maybe have more of those than other people, may I say uh, this morning that the weaker brother tends to struggle with other believers who have a more liberating practice in their lives. Those people that can eat anything they want, that drink anything they want, that can go there and watch and consume, and they seem to not care about whatever. How does that weaker person struggle? They struggle judging. They struggle judging. They struggle going, how can you call yourself a Christian and do that? That's what I say. In the context of this chapter, the Jews would look at those liberal Gentiles and say, how can you call yourself a Christian and do whatever you want to on the Sabbath day? How can, how can you claim? How can you claim to be a Christian and eat that? Or sit down with those people and consume that. That was the reality in context. You had the restrictive Jews looking at the liberal Gentiles. And today it would say, I can't believe that they go there. I can't believe they're cool with that. Uh, I can't believe... They don't do it like I do it or see it like I see it. I can't believe that he leads in the church or she leads in the church and she does this differently than me. I, here's, here's, a, here's a great one. Man, that person's not a deep Christian. That person's not a good Christian because fill in the blank. This person is shallow in their faith because they fill in the blank. This is a danger for those of us, I will say, because I believe in, 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 in my personal life and the life of our family, there are certain areas that we put more restrictions up maybe than other people. And so I look at that as I speak to myself on this as well, that we tend to view those with a freer lifestyle than us, with sometimes it's not a leading out with judgment, it's a judgmental undertone. That's quite frankly unbiblical. The strong should not despise the weak. The weak should not judge the strong. And you say, Josh, that really doesn't happen. Oh, bless your heart. I can't believe you guys blank. I've heard it. I've been a part of it in years past. Do you mean to tell me that church would open up their church service with a secular song? I just can't believe that. They must be preaching a false gospel. Now, we have no plans to open up with a secular song. Y'all know, know I would enjoy that. That ain't the way we're trying to lead our church, but y'all know I would. I could come up with a song for every sermon, man. 
But that's not the way we're, and you, but guess what? There are people in this town that did, did today. It's not my place to judge. It's not my place to judge. Oh, you mean, we're getting down here. You mean you're okay with that version of the Bible? Like, don't you know that's not even a word-for-word translation? That's a thought-for-thought. And they took so many liberties in what they said there with that translation. That's a false Bible. Been there. Said it. Definitely heard it. I'm not here advocating today that we don't put up any type of standard. I'm not here advocating today that we, that we don't put up those guardrails. I'm not advocating that. I am advocating today that we take a step back from despising and judging. We take a step back from despising and judging. I'll be real with you. We had uh, Pastor Josue who I love dearly. He came and preached for us that day for an hour and a half. Still haven't let him, let him uh, live that down. Um, he preached there. We had dinner together afterwards. It was great. Um, no. Um, but he came and preached that day, and he referenced the Message Bible. Did you catch that when he was here? I'm not going to lie to you, man. I'm going to be very straight with you. Like that, that, I started sweating a little bit. And you say, why is that, Josh? Well, of all of the Bible translations, it is by far the, um, let me say, let me use the word loosest. Is that, a, is that fair? It's the loosest. Would I do that? I wouldn't. Just me. It's fine. What I do know about that translation, by the way, we're coming into class, so I'm going to sit down and teach real quick. What I do know about the translation is that Eugene Peterson wrote that translation. Eugene Peterson pastored a church in Bel Air, Maryland, about 30 minutes north of where we used to serve in Baltimore. And he started reaching a lot of students from Towson University and other universities around there. And this was back in like the 70s, 60s, 70s, I forget exactly what time. But here's how he began preparing his sermons. You know, what he, they said, we just want the Bible. So you know what he started doing? He started taking a, a Bible. I don't know what version he, he used. He would take a version of the Bible. And he would literally manuscript, what does this say in the terminology that these college students would actually understand? He never went out to create a version of the Bible. Here's what happened. He started doing that for chapters, and then it got to, like, he's doing it for books, and then they're like, you got to keep doing this because we're finally understanding what it means. And so before long, he had done that for every book of the Bible. And so it became a translation where it was really meant to be a paraphrase, a commentary on Scripture by one man. Listen, there is not one man alive, I don't care how arrogant or prideful, that would say, me, personally, I am going to do a translation of Scripture myself. No man alive. Anyway, so that's the whole point. All, all that to say, I appreciate and look to and love that because I can appreciate the heart behind why it ever happened. I'm trying for young adults that are going to college to understand Scripture better. Now, you didn't see me walk up here on the stage after he got done and go, hey, man, I really appreciate that. By the way, church, we don't mess with that message Bible. We don't do that mess around here. No, what it did, it maybe helped me as I, as I speak with other people that might speak here. It's fine. No big deal. But I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. I, I promise you, the most of the time that we judge, if we would actually listen and take 24 hours or 48 hours before we cast judgment, 
we would not cast judgment. So the stronger will struggle with despising or disliking the weak, and the weak will struggle with judging the strong. In our text, we saw verses say something similar to, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. And it follows up with, happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. In one verse it says, you need to watch yourself because you've got a lot of people around you that are watching you. The very next verse it says, do whatever you want. If you're fully convinced, go for it. Right? So thirdly, and this is how we're going to end today. This is how we're going to end. We're going to talk about a balancing act. Okay? We have no despising. We have no judging. So how do we live our lives? How do we live in freedom? How do we break through some of those restrictions as we mature in Christ? And how do we live in freedom? So in the balancing act, we have liberty. Look at verse 14 in Romans 14. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Paul says this, if the Holy Spirit convicts you about something, that, it, that you should not do that in your life, you better not do that in your life. But he says for him, for him, hey, there's nothing unclean. The Holy Spirit does not convict me of those things. I drink and eat and partake in what I want. So we have liberty. We see it again in verse 22. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. Paul, one of the most effective Christians, some would say uh, strongest Christian to ever walk the face of this earth, was the freest of all that we see in the New Testament. Nothing, he says, nothing was unclean to him. Paul lived in like ultimate liberty. Not that there was not sin, there was just in all of these elements, he lived in a strong way, uh, open and free in liberty. That was Paul. By the way, Jesus died for our freedom. We have liberty in the spirit to partake of whatever the Lord allows in our personal lives as the Holy Spirit leads us. And by the way, we should partake and we should enjoy those things that God has given us in our lives. And so there's the balancing act on one side. We have liberty. And we should, by the way, it's okay to step into that. It's okay to live in that if. Secondly, we have love. A balancing act, here it is, liberty. But love, look at verse 15. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. So if you're eating something purposefully in front of a brother who doesn't, and you're causing that brother issues in his Christian life, you're not loving him. I'll go back to my illustration from last week. If you're a recovering alcoholic... No one should invite you over to the house for drinks. They don't love you. Okay? Listen, I'll get, I'll even come a little bit even further where we live. If someone is trying to lose weight and they're on a diet, 
Stop inviting them to the pizza buffet. You're not loving them. Okay, so stop inviting me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Invite me whenever you want to go out to eat. I'm there. I, I live in freedom. <laughs> love. We balance liberty with love. Look at verse 20 in Romans chapter. I'm sorry, let's look back at verse 15. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you're no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your body the one for whom Christ died. Verse 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. If you eat, if you eat or drink something, you're not convinced of it being right for you. It is evil for you. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Paul makes it very clear here in the balancing act from liberty now into love that the strong should not flaunt their freedoms nor should they intentionally place a stumbling block in the life of a weaker believer. The Christian life is much bigger than that. Listen, if Can we just use alcohol? It's okay. We'll just use that. If two of you want to go out and have a drink together and you invite someone who you know has an issue with it, isn't life bigger than you having a drink? Aren't there bigger fish to fry? If you're frying fish, let me know. Aren't aren't there more important things Then in that moment, you ordering a drink? Hey, we're going to go see this movie. And you invite someone and the person goes, hey, listen, I don't go to like R-rated movies. Like, that's just not my thing. I, there's a lot of cursing. There's a lot of things could be in there. Is it that big of a deal that you see that movie? Could you not see a different movie? Aren't there bigger things in life? This is love. This is love. I'm going to get there, guys. We're not finished. Because you're like, man, Josh, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. As did Paul. Okay? Just wait. We're going to bring it all together. I promise. The Christian life is much bigger than our freedoms or our restrictions. We have brothers in Christ who look to us for influence. We have sisters in Christ who look to us for influence. And we should lead with a heart of love. We should not, I'm going to say this, we should not lead first. The first thing should not be the heart of liberty. I believe, because it's the most important thing, as Jesus commanded several times, we should lead out in love. So here we go. On one hand, we have the freedom to live however we want to in the Spirit. Man, I'm going to answer to God for me, as I mentioned last Sunday. I'm going to answer to God for me. You're going to answer to God for you. I've got freedom and the Holy Spirit to live as he instructs me. Yes, you do. But secondly, we should not purposefully cause another brother to stumble. And we should love our neighbors and love those that we interact with and and we live in community with. Amen. Yes, we should. So thirdly, in this balancing act, we have liberty... 
We have love, and here's what I like to call this one. You know it's got to be L. We have life. We have to be able to live our lives. And now this is very practical this morning. Verse 16 says, Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. It is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. The answer is we have to live our lives as Christians. Okay, we have to live. We have to live them on purpose. And we have to live our Christian lives with these things primary. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what does that look like? We have to balance not causing a brother to stumble with living in freedom. That is only balanced in our lives if we have a pure motive, a pure heart, and a desire for peace. Listen, if I told you this morning that we take this chapter and the practical application is you don't do anything that anybody in this room could possibly be offended by, you couldn't even walk to your car after church. I couldn't live my life if I was always concerned about what you were going to think and then you were going to think and you 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 were going to think about me. I couldn't even get out of bed in the morning. And so we can't apply this as you ought to take inventory of everybody and what they think, everybody in your life and what they think, and you should not do anything that they think is not good. Can't do that. We also should not say, I can do whatever I want, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. I can live in the freedom that Christ gave me, and I don't care. That's, that, you're, you're treading on some dangerous ground there. That ain't the freedom Christ gave you. He gave you freedom, but his freedom did not come with despising and rejecting and pushing other people aside and not loving people. We live with love for others and an understanding of our freedoms. I'm going to say it again. We live with a love for others and an understanding of our freedoms. It's how we get along with people. It's how we get along with others that think a little bit differently or see things a little differently than we do. We live, we live with a love for others and an understanding of our freedoms. In conclusion this morning, the word is logic and the word is balance. We should live logically with a sense of balance. If we were only concerned about other people and being a stumbling block, we would walk around on eggshells all day, every day, and never enjoy the joy of the Spirit and the freedom that we have in Jesus. But on the flip side, if we were only concerned about our freedoms and living it up and flaunting our freedoms, we would willfully influence weaker Christians to struggle in their faith, rendering our leadership ineffective. So this morning, I challenge you and I challenge me and I challenge all of us collectively 
that we lead with a healthy balance. And what does that look like? We lead with love for others and an understanding of our freedom. Those things can walk hand in hand. You know what it takes? A little bit of observation. It takes a little bit of wisdom. It takes a little bit of opening up our eyes and looking around us and being aware. There was a reason why this text seemed a little bipolar. There's a reason why there's seemingly tension in this text. It's because it is a difficult line to toe. It is a difficult road to stay in the middle of when the ditch on this side is flaunting your freedoms and the ditch on that side is judging other believers. And so I ask you today, I beg you today, I challenge you today not to despise and not to judge. I implore you today and I challenge you today to live with a love for others and an understanding of your freedoms. This really is a sermon that we could, and we're not going to do it this morning, obviously, but we could finish this sermon and say we're going to divide up into small groups for 15 minutes, and we're going to get you in groups of five, and we're going to have three or four discussion questions, right? This is that kind of a sermon. We're not going to do that today, but I do want to encourage you that if you do, if you do feel this tension in your life, and you want help navigating this tension in your life, that we have leaders in our church and, and mature Christians who would love to help you walk through this. Because this is not a sermon that you can nitpick and take a clip of 10 seconds and understand. We have to have a full grasp of really everything we've been talking about from the beginning of Romans 14 series, dealing with differences. I hope this morning that the Holy Spirit has, has helped you and walked with you through this text and this passage. May we be a church. Man, we live in the joy that the Spirit brings and the freedom that He brings. But may we also be a church who does not flaunt those and lives with an awareness that other people are watching. Welcome to the balancing act of the Christian life. Heavenly Father. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.